It's easy to be motivated at first. And sometimes that motivation can even make it seem like this journey is something you could sustain for a long period of time, even if this isn't something you're passionate about. But I can promise you that motivation, if this is something that you're not passionate about and doesn't just evoke these strong, intense feelings in you, that motivation won't last. Hey guys, this is Coach K and you're listening to the Making Changes, Breaking Barriers podcast where we talk about you. This is about you, your mind, and your path. So we're going to just dive right into our topic today because this is a juicy one and we have a lot to unpack here. Why do some people succeed while others fail? And by the way, if you Google that exact phrase, why do some people succeed while others fail? There are 492 million search results. So clearly a lot of people have a take on this question, but what I first want to start off by saying is that this question is really a little bit misleading. This question of why do some people succeed while others fail inherently seems to imply that there are two options for all of us. Option one is that we succeed and option two is that we fail. And here's the thing. Life is not like a horizontal line that either ends with success or failure at the end of it. To give a more accurate visual, life is more like the line you draw along the top of a mountain range. It's going to go up and then down and then a little bit up and then all the way down and then a big climb up and then back down. And this is probably just going to continue until the end. And in fact, even when we are just talking about one particular goal someone has, success and failure are not so black and white in this case either. Even when an outcome maybe doesn't turn out as you had set out for it to turn out, this doesn't always mean that it's ending in a failure. What about everything that happened in the in-between moments? What about the journey? What about the lessons learned? I actually just saw a quote from uh, James Clear who wrote the book Atomic Habits. Great book if you've never read it. But this quote I just felt like was so on point. He said, when you fall in love with the process rather than the product, You don't have to wait to give yourself permission to be happy. You can be satisfied anytime your system is running. And honestly, if you're setting goals for yourself that are very black and white, I would at least urge you to add to those goals. Add some more process-oriented goals that will actually truly highlight the wins you have along the way. So with that being said, when we are asking the question, why do some people succeed while others fail? It should maybe be phrased a little bit more like, How do some people keep moving forward while others get stopped in their tracks? Or how do some people find contentment in their life while others are always unhappy? Or how do some people stay so consistent while others lose motivation after two weeks of working towards something? All of those questions seem to paint a better picture of the questions we probably all ask ourselves at least a couple times a week, right? How do I just keep going? How do I just keep putting one foot in front of the other so that I can continue down the path that I want to be on? How do I stay true to my core values and purpose and consistently align my actions on a daily basis with those values and purpose? These are all really big questions, right? Like really big questions. So I'm certainly not claiming I have all the answers to this, but maybe after listening to this podcast today, you will leave with a few reflection points that you can stir on and kind of do like a self-check. 
Like, is that me that does those things? Or do I fall into the group that gets off track pretty consistently and loses focus and doesn't have clarity with where I'm going? And by the way, if that is you, that is okay. We've all been there, but let's work together to figure this out and get you moving forward again consistently. So we all know the saying, if you don't succeed, pick yourself up and try again, or get back on the horse, or soldier on. This is nothing new to us. We've been told this from a young age, but as much as we've been told to persevere when things get tough, as much as we even see this in the media, right? Like how many movies or documentaries or sports stories or books have you seen or read that are about someone who has persevered through some sort of really hard time and found a way to come back and find success in some way. We love these stories. These stories make for awesome movies, right? They make for awesome books. I was actually just sitting on the couch the other day and I was watching ESPN and they did a little feature on Clay Thompson, who's one of the members of the Golden State Warriors, if you're not familiar with that name. And it was just like a little 10 minute story on him, but he has a you know, pretty cool comeback story. In the 2019 NBA Finals, he ended up tearing his ACL. And that's a pretty long recovery, right? He was basically out for close to a year. And right at the end of that recovery, like he was back actually playing full court basketball already. He ended up tearing his Achilles which again is a really long recovery. So he had these back-to-back really big injuries and was out of the game of basketball for almost two years and ended up coming back and playing his first NBA game again last season, right about, I think it was in the De- around December. And the story ended up with his team, including him winning the NBA championship last season. So this pretty amazing comeback story. I think he even won the ESPY for best comeback story last year of being out for a couple years and having to go through all that rehab and stay mentally engaged and then coming up, coming back and basically having this huge triumph. I'll say that I was sitting on the couch basically in tears watching this. Like we love these stories and watching these moments of adversity and then someone coming back from them, right? So we see these stories all around us and it seems so clear that hard work and perseverance and consistency are key in our success. But in reality, based on research, we as humans actually have a really hard time truly believing that the hard work and perseverance will really get us to the top of our mountain. So before I go more into that, let me ask you, do you think it is hard work or talent that helps people be most successful? It seems like an easy question, right? Like maybe you had your answer right away the first time I asked that. If you said hard work, you are probably in the majority, to be honest, because that is what we have been trained to say, and that is what we also want to believe. But what we want to believe and what we actually believe are not always the same. So if you said talent helps people be the most successful, according to the research, this is actually more in line with what people actually believe. We have a predisposition to talent being the biggest factor that helps people reach their goals. There was actually a study done in 2011 where the question was posed to a group of musical experts about whether they thought natural talent or hard work was a better indicator of success in the music industry. And an overwhelming majority of those participants, the musical experts, said that hard work was a better indicator of musical success in the industry. But then when it came down to it, The musical experts picked the quote-unquote naturally gifted pieces of work as the better piece of work 
over the piece of work from a musician who has years of hard work. Even though the two pieces of music were exactly the same, which they obviously didn't realize in the study, but I just found that so interesting. So we like to believe that hard work and perseverance are vital to success, but I do think it is just important for us to understand that we do have this predisposition living inside of us that says that we believe that talent will be the ultimate and biggest factor. And this just isn't true in most cases. So if talent isn't the determining factor between why some people succeed and some don't, then what is? What gets people to the top of their mountain? What are the people who are living purposeful, content lives really doing? One thing the research knows for sure is that there is not just one thing. There is not just one thing that all people do that leads to success. And I know this sounds pretty obvious, but I think sometimes in this very fast, ever-evolving society we live in, we love to look for hacks. But that's just not going to be the case here. And one of the biggest reasons for this is there is not just one type of success. I bet if we asked everyone who listens to this podcast what success looks like for them, and we actually got into the details of it, right, everyone's answers would be very different. Some people's mountaintops may be more related to their career and finding purpose and achievement with that. Others might be more family-oriented, or others might see success as adventure and living as free of a life as they can. Others might find success through physical achievements, like literally climbing a mountain. But my point is that if success is different for everyone, that there's not just one thing you can do to get, you know, for all of us to get to the top of our mountaintops. But with that being said, there are some common themes we see between the people who do reach their mountaintops, and that is what we're going to talk about today. So let's get into the five reasons why some people succeed while others fail. So number one, your effort and patience match. Okay, so first of all, effort and effort alone is obviously very important as we just talked about. I would even go as far as saying effort is twice as important as talent. For example, think of a time when you had a talent, like a natural talent at something, but didn't put a lot of effort into it. What happened? You may be able to think of a bunch of examples from your childhood, right? Most of the time as kids, we try a lot of different things. Some we may actually be decent at to start and some we may be terrible at to start, but even some of those activities that we were decent at to start, like you would even go as far to say that you had some natural talent for it. If we don't put the effort in, we will never really truly develop the skill. One thing I like to think about as this example for myself was that as a kid, I had a pretty natural talent for drawing, okay? I could put together a nice piece of work, whether it was a painting or a drawing, or I could sketch something looking at a different picture and it would come out pretty similar. I had like a little bit of a natural talent for drawing, but this wasn't something that I ever continued with. I never really put much effort into it. I didn't practice it. I didn't go to any art classes, nothing like that. And to the, you know, I never actually truly developed that skill to this day. I'm actually now a pretty terrible drawer. So talent times effort equals skill. Now, think of a time when you had developed a skill at something, but didn't put a lot of effort into it. What happened? So like you actually became good at something. For example, maybe you played soccer all through high school or some other sport, tennis, basketball, football, whatever it is. Maybe you played this sport all through high school and you were actually pretty good at it. You put in a lot of hours of practice. You played a lot of games. You worked at this. This became, you put some effort into this talent, maybe you already had, and it became a skill. 
but you had no desire to play soccer in college or whatever sport it was. So basically after the age of 18, you stopped playing. What happens? Nothing, right? Nothing comes of that skill. It may be a skill you kind of always have to some extent. For the soccer example, right? You always know how to dribble and kick the ball and you know the rules of the game, but you never really achieve anything when it comes to soccer. And this is because skill times effort equals achievement. So this is where the whole thought of effort is twice as important as talent comes into play, right? Because talent times effort equals skill and skill times effort equals achievement. A lot of the times the people who really discover the power of effort are sometimes the ones who have to fight super hard to overcome a lack of talent, right? To even develop that skill in the first place to go from talent times effort equals skill their talent value is pretty low, so that effort value has to be high. Take Michael Jordan as one of the most popular examples of effort overcoming talent. Yeah, we think of Michael Jordan now as one of the most talented basketball players of all time, if not the most talented basketball player of all time. That's a debate we won't get in today, but he got cut from his high school basketball team. He could have stopped putting an effort right then and there. But in this instance, his lack of talent fueled him to put more effort into this talent and skills and what resulted was great achievement. So if we want to develop a skill at something and if we want to achieve anything, we need effort. Now, I will take this one step further because when we talk about our mountaintops, a lot of the times we are looking at the big picture. We are thinking about our long-term goals and our purpose. So you may have achievements along the way, but that might not even be your mountaintop, right? The effort that you put in combined with your talent and your skill might get you those achievements. So related to those equations we were talking about before, but this might not even really get you to your mountaintop. Your mountaintop may be something that is going to take a long time to really get to, or maybe the premise of your mountaintop is that you really never get there. You're thinking about the long, long term. as long as you just stay on this path up, you will be content. Either way, that effort that leads to skill and achievement will also need to be matched with patience. How many of you Yes, and I'm calling you out right now, so be ready for it. How many of you have put two weeks of work into something and then wondered whether it was a conscious thought or a subconscious thought, but you wondered why you weren't great at it yet? Or those of you who are super competitive, when was the last time you played some sort of game or sport or picked up some sort of instrument or something along those lines that you haven't played in years, but yet when you didn't play it well, you were mad? And you were wondering why. To really get to the tops of our mountain, yes, we need some talent. We need the effort to create the skill. We need more effort to achieve anything at all. And we also need patience to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Because when we get impatient, that's when we stop. Or that's when fears start to creep in. Like, why am I not where I want to be yet? I've put in all this effort already. So every day that effort you are putting forth needs to be matched with patience to enjoy the journey along the way and just keep moving forward. So the second reason why some people succeed while others fail is you're passionate about what you're doing. And this is where the whole conversation about your mountaintop comes in. 
If you want to be able to sustain the effort it takes to succeed, you better make sure that whatever it is that you're reaching for is meaningful to you. Whatever it is needs to be aligned with your core values. It needs to have purpose to you, and it needs to evoke strong, passionate emotions in you to the point where you almost couldn't even imagine not doing the work. Because when it comes to reaching for something and when it comes to trying to be successful at something, whatever that means to you, you have to just stay committed. You have to stay committed to the long term. And if whatever it is you're not passionate about and you don't just absolutely love, the effort and commitment won't last. It's easy to be motivated at first. And sometimes that motivation can even make it seem like this journey is something you could sustain for a long period of time, even if this isn't something you're passionate about. But I can promise you that motivation, if this is something that you're not passionate about and doesn't just evoke these strong, intense feelings in you, that motivation won't last. And when the motivation wears off, you need your love and passion for whatever it is to keep you committed and to keep you on the path. Angela Duckworth, who is a psychologist, also a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, and also a popular science author, has done extensive research on this subject over the last 10 years. This topic of success and how do we get there and what are the most important characteristics of people who are successful? And specifically, her research has revolved around the characteristic of grit. And Duckworth defines grit as passion and sustained persistence applied toward long-term achievement with no particular concern for rewards or recognition along the way. It combines resilience, ambition, and self-control in the pursuit of goals that take months, years, or even decades. So this seems like what we just talked about, right? If reason number one why some people succeed and others fail is your effort and patience match, and number two is you're passionate about what you're doing, this seems to basically be the definition of grit. Like again, how Angela defined it was grit is passion and sustained persistence applied toward a long-term achievement. And Duckworth has made it very clear through her research that grit is up there, right? If not at the top with one of the most prominent factors to success. So that brings us to point number three. The third reason why some people succeed while others fail is you have a calculated strategy. People who put in the effort are always going to be better off than those who don't, like I mentioned before. But people who put in intelligent effort and have a calculated strategy are going to be way better off mastering a skill or achieving something than the autopilot sort of practice. Here's an example. If you were training for a half marathon, you could go out and run, let's say, 8 to 13 miles every day at the same exact pace. This would be one way to train. And this would require a ton of effort, right? Going out to run eight to 13 miles a day is going to take time. It's going to take a ton of effort. It's going to take a toll on your body. It's going to take you paying attention to your nutrition. I mean, a lot of things, but would this be an intelligent strategy? And I would argue, no, someone who is intelligently training is going to incorporate a lot more variety into their training. They're going to incorporate long runs. They're going to incorporate short runs. They're going to incorporate easy runs, hard runs. There's going to be a progression in planning to all of that. It's not just random, right? There's going to be interval training involved as well as on top of all that strength training and mobility training and proper nutrition and getting enough sleep and so on. There's going to be a lot more to it than just, Hey, I'm going to go out and run eight to 13 miles every day at the same exact pace. 
even if your strategy was revolved around learning and not necessarily trying to achieve a specific thing, this is still a strategy and could still be considered an intelligent strategy. For example, let's say you're starting a new small business. This is something you've been thinking about for a long time and you're passionate about it and it's part of your mountaintop and you're finally just gonna go for it. Awesome, that's great. I would assume in this case, you're considering a strategy in what your first year, for example, of business would look like. By having a strategy, I'm not saying that you need to plan necessarily to be at the top of your industry after one year or to plan to even be making much money or making a huge impact after just one year. Maybe literally for the first year, your strategy for your new small business is to learn. Learn what works in marketing. Learn more about your product or your service and what you are truly selling and through what message do you want to sell it. Learn more about your customer and what they look like. Maybe literally your whole first year strategy is revolved around that, but that is great. You have a strategy and you can build off of it. Maybe you are one of the people who have joined my Change with Coach K community. And like many of those people have said, they're looking for inspiration from others. They're looking and wanting to thrive off of being around like-minded people who also value self-growth and self-development and awareness and mindfulness. Part of these people's strategy was joining the community. They are seeking support and inspiration. And I always believe that that's an intelligent way to go. So It can't just be any strategy because don't get me wrong, some strategies won't get you to where you want to go. So think through it, even run it by people you trust and, you know, think may be able to help you or maybe have some sort of expertise in the area, or you just know will be able to support you through the ups and downs. And then once you have it, once you have your strategy, once you have your deliberate strategy, just start, stop thinking as much and just do. Okay, that brings us to reason number four, some people succeed while others fail, and that is your emotional intelligence is high. So there are three types of character strengths that are widely studied, and I kind of want to just go through this quickly before I get into why emotional intelligence is going to be so important. But the first one of these character strengths or first types of these character strengths is interpersonal character strengths or these are also called the strengths of heart. They include gratitude, empathy, honesty, and social and emotional intelligence. Like think like all the things that help you get along and contribute to the lives of other people. So those are your interpersonal character strengths. The second type are going to be intrapersonal character strengths or strengths of will. These include self-control, delay of gratification, grit, and related ways of thinking about the world, like optimism or growth mindset. Without these strengths of will, a person isn't moving toward their own personal goals. Then the third category is deeply important and kind of obvious, but these are strengths of mind or intellectual character strengths, like curiosity, open-mindedness, intellectual humility, imagination, and creativity. So I would say our first two reasons why someone succeeds falls under intrapersonal character strengths, right? Like grit and self-control and delay of gratification or being patient. Whereas then the third reason falls under intellectual character strengths. And that third reason was you have a calculated strategy, right? We need that creativity and imagination and even the open-mindedness to come up with a strategy. Whereas the fourth reason needing your emotional intelligence to be high to be successful falls under the first category, 
interpersonal skills. And I would argue this is the most important. Emotional intelligence by definition is the ability to understand and manage your own emotions as well as recognize and influence the emotions of those around you. How? Please, I would love to hear it. Could we expect to be successful, to be able to manage the ups and downs, especially the downtimes, manage sticking with something that is hard over a long period of time that is going to really challenge us and make us question everything? How could we do all of that and keep moving forward with all of that if we do not have the ability to manage our own emotions? If we do not have the ability, how will... We stop ourselves from getting discouraged, going down a spiral of self-doubt, giving into fears and stress, and just basically giving up. The short answer, without emotional intelligence, we wouldn't be able to do it, which is why I think this is the most important factor. And here's where I just naturally start to smile. How do we make sure we have emotional intelligence? We dig in. We work on ourselves. We practice mindfulness to really understand what it means to be me. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What are my actions truly saying about, you know, what I want and what I desire and all those things, what they mean? And I know all of you know, because you listen to this, and I'm sure you also read and listen to other self-development material, but this is hard work. I am going to be 100% honest. Whenever I sit down to start putting together these podcasts and start thinking about what it is I want to say, I have to really dig deep because all of this ultimately is coming from somewhere deep inside of me. And then I add to it with research and other people's stories and all of that, right? But I have my own traumas I live with on an everyday basis. And doing this, it makes me super aware of the thoughts, all of my thoughts and my feelings and my actions, like really hyper aware. And it can be a very uncomfortable feeling. Sometimes I'm sitting here writing and I just want to stop, right? I get to the point where I just want to stop writing because I'm digging deep and it's becoming very uncomfortable. But here's the reality. Being mindful will most likely just be uncomfortable at times. And we kind of just need to accept this. We are human. We are not these like only happy and joyful people. That just isn't the reality. So having this emotional intelligence, really trying to understand yourself so you can understand what it is you need and how you can continue to push yourself forward is super, super important for success. And like I said before, in my opinion, the most important piece of succeeding or moving forward, not giving up versus failing and just stopping in our tracks. All right. So then lastly, the last reason why some people succeed while others fail is you have to be willing to take the risk. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable, like I was just saying. I liked what Angela Duckworth said in an interview about her own life and her own journey. She said this about being uncomfortable. As soon as I'm in a comfortable place, I make myself uncomfortable again. If you asked me, how was last week? I wouldn't say, oh, it was great. It was easy. I would tell you about how I had a meeting with a funder who I thought was going to give me $1.5 million, and it looks like she's going to pass this year. I would tell you that I did a meeting with the team, which I thought could have been a lot more effective and I could have been more supportive, right? So take the calculated risk. I have another example that you probably have never heard about, but this is an amazing example of just willing to take the risk and willing to be uncomfortable. Her name is Justine Seigel. And in 2009, she became the first female coach of a professional men's baseball team. 
And as you can imagine, this does not just happen overnight. Justine sent emails for four years to the Oakland A's before getting this position. Now, I'm not saying she harassed the A's with emails, but she originally threw batting practice for the A's in 2011. Right after that, she had reached out to the organization about a coaching opportunity. This reach out was unsuccessful. Yeah, she heard back, but there wasn't any coaching opportunities available. Then she checked in the next year. Same story. And then the next year. Same story. And then the next year when she received her PhD in sports psychology, she decided one last time she was going to reach out. And the fourth time was the charm. Justine said something I really loved. And this is, you know, after she had received this position, she said, one thing I am sure of though, is that you don't break barriers without being incredibly, insanely persistent. You put in the work, make yourself qualified, and then just keep banging on the door or pressing the send button. It's not your failures that define you, but what you do with them. It very well might be that you take the risk, you go for it, you put in a ton of effort, and you fail. This is a possibility, and I'm not trying to say that it isn't. But like I said at the beginning, even when an outcome maybe doesn't turn out as you had set out for it to turn out, this doesn't always mean that it's ending in a failure. What about everything that happened in the in-between moments? What about the journey? What about the lessons learned? And guess what option you have now? You have the option to get back up and keep moving forward. So like always, guys, I'll end with this. Changing your path will not be easy. It will be challenging. And I will say that over and over and over again, but it will be worth it. So I'll ask you to do a self-check today. Are you on your path up your mountain? And if not, what path are you on? Thank you.